Liability for rushed vaccines. Texas Attorney Kay Van Way returns. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, Kay. How are you doing today? Hi, Lawrence. Great to be back. And I'm happy to report that I'm happy. My family is happy and healthy. And my law firm is surviving and thriving. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I know uh, people have had kind of a tough rut as of late and, you know, certainly adjusting to new normal and obviously, you know, feeling very fortunate today. Uh, Many people have lost their jobs, but uh, hopefully we can get through this soon and we get everybody back to work and we'll just uh, remember to be uh, grateful for what we have. Absolutely. So uh, getting to our topic today, Kay, uh, medical experts, of course, are working as quickly as they can on a vaccine for COVID-19, actually several different uh, vaccine options. And even though the vaccination trial process has begun, some experts are still thinking it'll take about a year to bring that vaccine to market. And so obviously there's a lot of motivation to shorten that timeline, to get things back to normal, especially with the economy, get people back to work. And in the process of accelerating, you know, there's potential opening of doors for oversights, accidents, and miscalculations, despite the best of efforts and despite the best of intentions. And so, generally speaking, uh, in preparation for the show, I did a little research, Kay, not my area of expertise, but uh, generally speaking, when it comes to vaccine liability, it's very difficult, from what I read, to sue the drug manufacturers or the healthcare providers who administer the actual vaccine because of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which passed in 1986. So, but turn the first question is, a kind of a starting point here, Kay. Can you tell us a little bit about that act, the origins and original intentions? Well, sure thing. But I, I wanted to first note that in 1986, when this law passed, that I had been out of law school for three years, if you can imagine that. <laughs> so, so the act, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, was passed in 86, and it provided a federal no-fault system for adjudicating claims. It came about because of a recognition that it was important to immunize citizens against communicable diseases, but that some manufacturers may not want to enter the production of vaccines business if they feared lawsuits. And if lawsuits ensued, that some citizens may be reluctant to become vaccinated. So the federal government made a scheme whereby ordinary citizens who felt that they were injured by a vaccination could go through this no-fault claims system. Okay. So in addition to the uh, what you're referring to as the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, that no-fault system that assembles sort of a payout for some of these injuries, the Act also created uh, the National Vaccine Program Office and the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. So kind of adding to the re- reporting requirements for healthcare providers. But, uh, you know, all of this, you know, trying to do the greater good, and especially, I guess, germane to what's going on today. We've got a, a vaccine that's being rushed to market. And we have uh, several experimental treatments out there that medical professionals are trying to deploy. So obviously the best of intentions out there. But my next question for you, Kay, has to do with immunization injuries. And so with this vaccine on the way, you know, statistically speaking, the country does it pretty well with with vaccines. Their uh, injuries are very rare. But uh, when they do happen, what are the typical types of injury that occur? Well, I think that there can be all types of injuries associated with different vaccines. You know, interestingly, my understanding is that the number one claim 
presently and in recent years with the vaccine fund, compensation fund, is surrounding flu vaccines. And I'll give you a very fast personal anecdote. I asked my doctor recently if he thought I should have the shingles vaccine. And he said, why don't we wait on that a couple of years? That's really new. We don't yet know what the side effects are going to be. So I think that there are some vaccines that are a necessary evil, regardless of their side effect profile, such as those that would prevent an outbreak of a communicable disease. Take it measles, for example, whereas a vaccine for shingles may not be mandatory. It would be optional. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it kind of gets into that whole uh, philosophy, you know, is, uh, is the cure worse than the disease? And so there's always those practical matters that you have to consider depending on, um, you know, your health outcomes. Well, it's so tough because now more than ever, we rely on our fellow man and fellow woman and our lives really could depend upon it. And I think this is going to become an enormous political issue when the vaccines do become available and how is it going to, how's it going to work? Number one, if there are a limited number of vaccines, who's going to get them? Can the government force us to get vaccinated or can the government impose restrictions on your activities if you haven't been vaccinated? Could a private employer say, you know what? show me, I'm not going to let you in my office until you show me proof that you've been vaccinated because I'm not willing to take on the liability uh, for letting you infect the other employees. And, you know, here in Texas, we have a very, very strong and active anti-vaccination group called the anti-vaxxers. And they're already beginning to you know, make claims such as I'll be vaccinated over my dead body. But it's very, very interesting issues because other people's choices, such as deciding not to be told that they must have a vaccine, could literally put our lives in danger. And so, of course, Kay, you're talking about uh, herd immunity there, where if you get enough of the population vaccinated, it doesn't really give the virus or disease a path of infection so much because you have so many people sort of buffer, um, kind of buffer that out and protect the people that cannot get a vaccine. And there are very few, but there are people out there that have serious health complications because they're allergic to certain elements of a vaccine. And they simply cannot receive that vaccine without creating greater risk to themselves. So um, great point. But um, anyway, uh, let's let's change the conversation a little bit to injuries when they do happen. And although they're statistically pretty rare, uh, it does happen. People get injured or suffer a little bit when they get a vaccine occasionally. And when that happens, Kay, you know, uh, just as a matter of first recourse, what, what options does the plaintiff have, at least initially speaking? Well, I believe that it's similar to a workers' comp type situation where, on the one hand, you're giving up entitlement to certain forms of compensation, but on the other hand, you're also having a much lower burden of proof. So for workers' comp case, for example, maybe all you have to prove is that you were injured in the course and scope of your employment. With this, with the vaccine fund, they have a list, uh, the vaccine injury table. So for certain types of vaccines, there are certain types of illnesses or injuries or conditions and certain other parameters so that a person could look those up on their own 
and make a claim if they're covered under one of these table-related conditions and drugs. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kay. And if our listeners, they have uh, questions, how can they follow up with you? The best way is just to direct email me at kay, K-A-Y, at vwpwlaw.com. Excellent. Excellent. And then just any final thoughts you want to leave with our audience before we sign off? No, I just hope everyone stays safe and follows the advice that we're all being given because we are really in this together and we're relying on one another to keep us all safe. All right. Well said. So thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. And also, if you want to reference our show notes for this episode, please visit our website at LegalTalkNetwork.com. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Cletty. Stay strong, everybody. (laughs) Thank you.